Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Hey, uh, welcome. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Hey, you got me, the Hushmo, here driving this, driving this train this evening. It's May, May 18th. We uh, got a great show for you this evening, as always, you know. Uh, trying to make sense of things that just don't make no sense is uh, what we do out here on uh, the Hushmo Black Forum. Uh, once again, well, welcome to my Facebook friends. Hey y'all. Hey, uh wow, so much going on in the news, y'all. Uh, we uh we we left off last week here and we still ain't quite done with uh Mr. Jim Porter, the new president of uh the NRA. Uh, with his uh assertion that uh Somehow, pretty soon, he uh, is going to be owning uh, colored people again. I, you know, that that was that took up the whole show last week. Y'all. We went out on that tangent and I never got back, uh, as well it should. I mean, it's just a dangerous uh, – uh, it's just a dangerous uh, statement from a person uh, – personal power. The president of an organization that claims some 5 million members, all heavily armed, by the way, the National Rifle Association. So anytime the president of that organization makes such an outlandish uh, assertion, um, we better be paying attention to it, folks. Here's one Mr. Jim Porter stated that we will soon own colored people again and stated went on to state it uh, when he clarified that a reporter asked him to clarify what he mean by that and he went on to clarify it and said that there was his God-given right to own and keep uh, America's Africanists in this property. Now that's what he said. That was his God-given right. I, now I I uh, <laughs> uh I, I don't know. I you know, I, I know uh the man upstairs never uh never uh let me in on that that I, I was somebody's uh, property. So uh, I you know, I'm gonna have to uh Well I'm wondering uh, what God he, he he's talking about that uh gave him that right. Certainly, my God didn't. So, so yeah, that guy is dangerous, y'all. We, we still we, we ain't gonna we ain't gonna jump off on him uh, tonight. We, we finished with him right now. Uh, not finished with him, but we, we're gonna let him go and move on to uh, other subject matter uh, this evening. Here, uh, there's quite a few things going on that, that we're gonna be uh, looking at this evening, y'all. One of them is our our uh, sixth uh, disciple. 
that we're going to be touching on in the second hour here. Uh, one, Mr. Marcus Garvey, uh, one of our 12 disciples that we, uh, that's our new uh, project that we're working on, y'all. We should have it out by Thanksgiving, sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas, dealing with uh, the over the rise and fall of Jim Crow, uh, that period of time in our history following uh, the Civil War from about 1865 up to 1954, when uh, Brown versus Board of Education overturned uh, the last of uh, overturned the separate equal laws that uh, Plessy uh, had ushered in on the national uh, level. Back in uh, 1896. So, uh, yeah, we, we entitled our, our new uh, project uh, Our Twelve Disciples, The Rise and Fall of Jim Crow, looking at a collection of our heroes, uh, some 12 of them. Uh, well, obviously it was hundreds, if not thousands, who uh, we owe a great attitude to, a debt of gratitude to. But uh, we, we just singled out 12 of them and, and kind of followed their uh, stories and uh, put it together, tied it together into one uh, one guiding force that uh, ushered, uh, that uh, uh, that uh, led to the overthrow of uh, the Jim Crow laws here in this country, led to uh, the overthrow of Plessy in 1954 in that landmark decision. Uh, so, yeah, uh, in our, uh, we've been uh, chronicling uh, uh, those 12 uh, individuals on each of our last uh, five shows here. Uh, tonight's the sixth uh, one on that list, uh, one Mr. Marcus Garvey. We're going to be uh, looking at his story briefly uh, after uh, the turn of the, uh, at the turn of the hour. <laughs> beginning of our uh, second hour here. We out here on Blog Talk, y'all. <clears throat> we out here uh, every Saturday from 7 to 9 on Blog Talk Radio is where we are. Uh, just a great medium. I recommend it highly to anyone who want to get out there and uh, get their message out, which I urge everyone to do. We we need all of uh, all of our voices heard. Uh, we need all of our uh Voices uh, uh, out there uh, in in the debate. Uh, no matter who who it is, I mean we uh, we can't have too many. <laughs> we we can't have too many uh, people uh, speaking up on uh, uh, their behalf. Now, obviously, uh, we've got our top ten percenters out there uh, who uh, has been uh, carrying the torch for us for uh, the last hundred years or so. Uh, and doing a great job, doing doing a great great job. Uh, part of the uh, the folks that I write about in this uh, new work that I'm working on here, our twelve disciples are um, part of those, uh, you know, part of the ten percent of uh, our heroes who uh, uh, are out front, uh, if you will, in our community, uh, dealing with uh, the powers that be, advocating on our behalf. Uh, the other ninety percent of our community is seldom, if ever, heard from, and, and we think that uh, needs to change, has to change if we uh, are going to maximize our uh, uh, effectiveness. We we got to get everybody the grant the grassroots folks, 
And uh, we, we out here on the Hushmo Black Forum, uh, hopefully uh, we provide a uh, platform for our bottom 90% that has uh, never heard of or heard from. And uh, for whatever reasons, there's a lot of different reasons why that is. Uh, but we we, uh, we want to uh, provide a platform for um, the 90% that... Uh, that uh, just don't uh, seem to be uh, uh, represented. Represented, uh, uh, you know, like not 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 uh, <clears throat> that uh, our top ten percent is out there. Certainly, the Reverend L. Sharpton. Uh, I could go on. I, I mean, there's a ton of them out there that's doing great, great work. Uh, Michael Eric Dyson, uh, Alyssa Harris Perry. Uh, a Joy Reed. Uh, it's just a lot of great, great uh, advocates uh, on our behalf out there today. Uh, uh, yet and still, all the ones that I've uh, you see and hear about makes up a tiny portion of uh, our community. Just a tiny portion of our community. So uh, there's <laughs> ample room for uh, uh, other voices. Uh, uh, to get in on the conversation, and today uh, with the shenanigans that's going on uh, in the country today, we desperately need every uh, hand on deck. Uh, a lot of this has to do with racism, you know. A lot of it has to do with racism. And my my new book, my new book. Uh, that's going to be coming out prior to our twelve disciples, racism and hate, which will be coming out by the way, the next, uh, a month or so within the next month or two, will be on the uh, bookstands. Racism and hate: an American dilemma. Uh, racism and hate: an American dilemma, where we trace the history of racism. Uh, uh, through uh, thousands of documents, essays, analysis, and uh, and the like, and uh, try to uh, uh, try to uh, put together a uh, a clear and succinct understanding of just what racism is and the effect that it has had on uh, this country, on uh, Americans of African descent, on uh, the population uh, at large. Racism, uh, uh, as as we looked at it uh, in our research on this project here over some three, four years, uh, the racism that we know uh, and talk about today, uh, as defined by Webster, <laughs> we concluded that it was it's a product of uh, the United States of America. Nowhere in the, uh, uh, on the face of the earth uh, do it exist uh, or existed prior to uh, the formation of this country. Nowhere on the face of the earth did racism as we know it today exist prior to uh, the formation of this country. 
in 1776, yeah. Nowhere on the face of the earth did it exist uh, uh, like it uh, does here. In, uh, 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 in fact, uh, I contend in my book and my research shows that uh, uh, the United States of America was uh, the uh, beginning incubator of the racism that we uh, know today. And if anything, the countries outside of this, uh, um, outside of the United States, uh, racism was uh, exported out of this country to uh, uh, the countries of Europe. Uh, remember, now racism it has to do with two uh, races of people, according to uh, Webster, suggesting that racism uh, is a uh, um, Uh, a phobia uh, that one race of people has uh, uh, about another, uh, whether that's a superiority uh, uh, complex or inferiority complex. Uh, one race of people toward another race of people. Uh, here in this country, obviously, uh, the, uh, uh, the the two uh, people in question was uh, the African slaves in the uh, uh, the uh, whites from uh, Europe, those are the two uh, uh, um, races of people that uh, the racism uh, that uh, we know today uh, uh, evolved from. It evolved from here in this country. And we can't find it anywhere else in the world prior to uh, the uh, this society being put together with uh, that slaves from Africa, Negroes, blacks, whatever you want to <laughs> uh, decide that we are, and Caucasians from white people, Caucasians from Europe, all mingled together in this uh, <clears throat> in the society. One slaves the other supposedly free <clears throat> but those two things came together and out of those two things out of those two uh mixes uh mixtures of different races of people came racism racism became a staple a staple in uh the society of uh, uh this country racism was a staple in parts of uh, the societies in this country, the Southern society, the little antebellum South that you uh, talk about where uh, the slaveholding states, racism was a mechanism used to uh, establish uh, order uh, in the society. Racism was used as a staple to uh set up some frame uh some framework of order within the southern society uh racism was. Hey now a byproduct of that racism as we point out in my book is hate. <laughs> yeah, that's a byproduct. Uh, like I like to say that while racism is proactive, uh hate is reactive. And Sure enough, anywhere, anytime there is racism, 
uh, one of the byproducts of that racism is going to be hate. Yeah, and, and that that uh, and that materialized here in this country over uh, the last two hundred years, uh, the last uh, since its inception here in the country. Yeah. So we we talk about it, and it fits right in with the conversation of today. Because remember, with this uh, uh, president of African descent, um, the racism that uh, that exists in the country uh, has uh, uh, flared up. The racism that existed here in the closet—I mean, it hasn't gone anywhere, y'all. It, it hasn't gone anywhere. Not, not no, it hasn't gone anywhere by long shot. And with this new president, we see it uh, uh, on full display again. Uh, can't hide it now. Uh, you got your various uh, right wingers, your white supremacists, and this and that groups, and uh, those people. A lot of those people, uh, at their very core, are racist. They make no mistake. A lot of those groups are racist. A lot uh, of uh, those uh, segments of those groups are now obviously all supposedly Tea Party groups. All those folks are not racist in that, but twenty to thirty to forty percent of those members are in those organizations are racist, y'all. Period. That's what my research shows, and and that's what history is bearing out right now. Just looking at the uh, interactions between those groups and this president, this black president. Uh, and and it's obvious, y'all. Now, obviously, a lot of people don't want to look at it like that. They don't. They they trying everything they do. Uh, they trying everything they can to uh, look over that fact. But more and more, uh, it's becoming more and more obvious uh, 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 as to what's going on here with the uh, majority population here in the country. Because you got twenty percent of them are racist. Oh yeah, my my study show out uh, uh, points out that twenty uh, percent of Americans of uh, European descent are racist today. Hey, that's a big number, y'all. That's forty, fifty million people are racist today, and it's showing. Not only is it showing here in this country, but the world stage can look at and see that uh, something is going on here. But <laughs> something is going on here in this country that's not quite uh, uh, copacetic. I'm <laughs> It's just like uh, that old uh, 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 going back in the uh, day there before 1954 when uh, we uh, was trying to export our uh, pure democracy abroad. And at the same time, uh, all the separate equal laws <laughs> and uh, people, 14th Amendment rights uh, were being uh, trampled on here in this country, yet... Uh, they were trying to uh, project this image of this pure uh, democracy abroad. Uh, it was hypocritical then, uh, and it's hypocritical now. When they tried to suggest that uh, their attacks on this president is something other than uh, racism. When they try to uh, suggest that 
the attacks, the constant petty attacks on this um, administration, on this president, uh, is nothing short of racism. That's what it is, y'all. It's nothing. Hey, we can uh, we'll break it down here. We are. We're going to break it down now because that's all it is. Uh, the so-called scandals. Uh, the Benghazi, uh, 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 so-called Benghazi Gate, uh, the IRS, uh, 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 targeting, uh, groups, uh, the, uh, AP phones, uh, being tapped. All this stuff is a, a bunch of, uh, uh, junk. Uh, when, when you dig into it, uh, uh, at the uh, uh, very bottom of all of this is racism. Period. It's racism, y'all. I don't. Uh, I, I, I'm not out here uh, <coughs> claiming uh, 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 hollering wolf <laughs> using some race card as uh, people like. Oh, you using the race? No, we're not using any kind of race card. We state facts. We state facts. Uh, this IRS thing is it might be one of the biggest jokes when they uh, uh, talking about conservative groups was uh, uh, targeted. That's a bunch of junk. Conservative groups wasn't targeting targeted. Five hundred one C four groups was targeted as uh, uh, as they should have been and as they should continue to be uh, targeted. Because uh, uh, the new uh, 501c4 groups that popped up after 2010, when uh, the Supreme Court uh, uh, decided to allow uh, corporations to uh, uh, invest all kind of money in these super PACs as 501c4 organizations, uh, uh, it uh, clouded uh, the definition of... uh, uh, just what a 5014C is and whether or not these various groups was doing um, social welfare uh, work or political operatives. And we found out that uh, most of them was political operatives, y'all, trying to uh, effect uh, change in our laws through uh, this uh, underhanded uh shenanigans that's been going on, uh, blocking every attempt at this administration to uh, govern, blocking every attempt at this administration, a uh, legally elected administration from governing the country. That is their sole purpose. That is their sole purpose for being is to block, is to block Every uh, move that this administration uh, is attempting, they're not, they're not, they're not, they don't care anything about the country. They're not patriots. They're not, they're not uh, 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 working on behalf of the good of the country uh, or any of that. They're not patriots. That's the last thing they are. They can forget that. Uh, this junk about them being patriots uh, because they got patriots in their name. <laughs> that that is the furthest thing from the truth, y'all. These people are uh, anti-American, as far as I'm concerned. As far as I can see, they're more anti-American than uh, some of our uh, foreign enemies are. Yeah, right in this country, 
they're more anti-American than some of the foreign groups that is trying to attack the country. Uh, we, I'm, we looked at one. Uh, we're going to touch the five hundred one four Cs. Y'all go back quite a ways, and one of the one of the most interesting things about uh, that designation for uh, uh, tax exemption, uh, we looked at exactly where it came from, and just looking uh, listening at some of the uh, people talk about those things. Lawrence O'Donnell, he came up uh, and opened my eyes to uh, the fact that the Internal Revenue Service, back in 1959, changed the termination of uh, the 501-4Cs from, changed one word. They changed one word in that uh, 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 directive, and the one word was... uh, they changed uh, the word "exclusive" when it came when they was talking about uh, when they formed these things. Uh, the five hundred one four read that uh, 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 the five hundred one had to be exclusively uh, for. Exclusively for uh, social welfare uh, uh, organizations, there, social welfare uh, organizations. In 1959, IRS changed that word exclusively to primarily. Now, that put a whole wrinkle in uh, the ability of these uh, 501 uh, 4C nonprofit organizations uh, to go about doing uh, what uh, they were set out to do, and that is to provide social welfare to uh, uh, to uh, segments of the country, to certain groups in the country, or whatever, social welfare work, uh, and allow them to get into political uh, uh uh, uh, to get into politics, to get into lobbying uh, the Congress for uh, uh, um, changes in uh, the laws. That one word, uh, exclusively to primarily, that's that's a whole that's like night and day, y'all. Uh, so they no longer the, the, the IRS in 1959 didn't go uh, to Congress to change the definition of a 5014C from exclusively. Uh, social uh, uh, welfare to primarily. So now when you start changing it from exclusively to primarily, you're talking about uh, you're talking about uh, what used to be uh, 100% uh, 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 social welfare uh, uh, undertakings to uh, what could now be 49, 51. So 49% of it could be uh, strictly Political uh, 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 action, and with the super PACs, what happened here in uh, uh, in 2010? Uh, these 5014Cs uh, 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 cropped up under these super PACs cropped up where uh, when the Supreme Court allowed corporations to invest in these super PACs uh, uh, as if they were uh, 
a person uh, without having to uh, disclose uh, where the money was coming from. So millions and millions of dollars got uh, uh, pumped into these super PACs under the banner of 5014C, uh, giving them tax-exempt status, giving them uh, uh, a shelter from disclosure of uh, the donors. And they set out to uh, uh, they set out to uh, to do nothing but uh, political uh, 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 political uh, 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 work, and that's what the IRS was investigating: whether or not these super PACs was in fact following uh, the law. Yeah, they was investigating 5014Cs, not Tea Partiers per se or uh, Patriots per se. Uh, yeah, the number of uh, 5014C applicants doubled uh, after 2010, after the Supreme Court. Uh, for whatever we know, whatever we know why, because the Durham Supreme Court was uh, uh, set up for uh, with the Republican uh, uh, extremists on that bench, Terrence Thomas and Alito and all that crowd, that crew. They changed the law to allow the corporations to be a person and to uh, donate unlimited uh, uh, money to these super PACs uh, in the dark. And not only that, the 5014C, the Tea Parties and all that crap, they should be investigated because none of them are doing what they should be doing. The problem is the IRS changed uh, the wording of just what a 5014C uh, is and Right now, everybody's looking at it, though. Uh, what needs to happen, the Congress should go back and uh, change the word, uh, put uh, exclusively back in uh, the uh, the definition of just what a 5014C is, exclusively for uh, social welfare, and that would get rid of uh, uh, the problem right there. That's all they have to do. That would get rid of and put all those super PACs uh, uh, folks over uh, under uh, political uh, operatives where they should be uh, taxable, by the way. And uh, that's where they should be. And uh, that's what we uh, that's what we advocate for. Those 5014Cs, those things should uh, uh, be uh, uh, taxable uh, entities. They're not uh, non-taxable. They're not doing any kind of social welfare, y'all. There are political operatives uh, intent on intent on uh, uh, governing, <laughs> intent on enacting and affecting the governance of the country. Yeah, they want to govern the country uh, uh, out of this uh, out of these uh, uh, political action groups. And that's no way to govern this country. That's not democracy. That that's a bunch of uh, 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 that's mob rule, y'all. That's what it is. It's mob rule. Anytime you got a bunch of uh, groups operating secretly outside of the government, uh, trying to uh, 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 um, set policy, trying to establish laws, <laughs> that's mob rule. That's what that is. And there's no place for it here in our republic. Our republic has to uh, follow uh, the laws of uh, that constitution, you know. 
we can't have uh, outside groups uh, in the dark <laughs> uh, uh, under the guise of some social welfare outfit uh, <laughs> uh, enacting the laws in this country. Uh. So the 501 foresees is a problem, not the IRS target. The IRS was targeting uh, black churches, uh, uh the NAACP and all other kind of groups under the Republicans. Hey, uh, yeah, all that stuff is crazy. Uh, uh, it's all crazy. And what no uh, 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 fuss about it. They wouldn't have no congressional hearings about uh, about it then. Now all of a sudden you got a black president, and all of a sudden all this stuff is really crazy, y'all. <laughs> but, yeah, it wasn't that crazy now. Yeah, people talked about it. Yeah, they didn't know she complained about it. But, no, uh, the Congress, uh, John Boehner wasn't talking about somebody's going to jail and this and that. and That's crazy. That is some, that's simply crazy. What they need to be talking about is fixing the freaking problem with the 5014Cs that allow the Cox brothers, the Cox, uh, Cox brothers to invest billions of dollars into uh, our political system under the uh, table, in the dark. That's what the uh, 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 Congress, the, and John Boehner, that's what he needs to be focusing on, fixing the 501 four cs fixing that thing, putting it back to its original uh, 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 intent. That is what they need to be doing, not this witch hunt uh, uh, that they're on now trying to tie this president to it trying to tie this president uh, to some uh, scandal that don't exist, that don't exist and has very little, if nothing, to do with the president, has very little or nothing to do with the president. Obviously, the president is the the chief executive. The Congress of this United States, the Congress of the United States, has every uh, bit of uh, uh, much responsibility for governing in this country as the president does. And those jokers have not done anything like uh, their job in the last five years. This Congress hasn't done uh, their job. They have not done their job because had they done their job, uh, the super PACs would have never been allowed to form in such a uh, uh, nefarious uh, 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 way. Those super PACs where corporations uh, can donate on uh, uh, on a limited amount of dollars to these uh, so-called political action PACs would never have uh, uh, been able to uh, uh, form had the Congress been doing their job and looking out for the well-being of the citizens of this country. They wasn't doing that. They didn't have no intention of doing that. <clears throat> while, while I'm on the four one C's, a quick little history of those things, and uh, and how it uh, tie into this craziness that's going on today. Uh, if I were one four C, now I told you that uh, in 1959 that the IRS, on its own accord, changed one word in the definition of five hundred one four C from exclusively. Uh, uh, they were charged with uh, doing exclusively social welfare work to primarily social welfare work, which left an opening for them to do damn near 50% of anything else they wanted, 49%. They could do anything they want. 
and that uh well one of the leaders uh in that uh, change back in 1959 believe it or not was uh one Mr. Robert Welch one Mr. Robert Welch now you all you all out there in uh, cyberspace land <laughs> I'm pretty sure probably 99% of you uh within the reach of my voice uh, has never heard of Robert Welch W E L C H Robert Welch one Mr. Robert Welch back in 1958 well, first of all Robert Welch was a a, a multimillionaire uh back then a rich person uh, who headed up a candy company, the Welch Candy Company. You heard of Welch Candy, Welch Grape, Welch Grape Juice, and all that stuff? This guy, uh, he started all that. Back in 1958, he also started the John Birch Society. Robert Welch formed the John Birch Society in 1958. Oh, yeah, he formed that John Birch Society as a 5014C. Okay? He formed that as a 5014C. He had a problem there because he was a political uh, operative. He uh, was one of McCarthy's, uh, the McCarthy back there, Senator McCarthy, who was a communist uh, uh, fanatic. This guy was one of his disciples, Robert Wells. Him and McCarthy was buddies. Uh, you know, they they was hand in hand on uh, uh, the hatred of uh, commun- uh, communism. And when he found uh, uh, founded the John Birch Society, their number one goal was to uh, get rid of all communists uh, uh, in this country, communist influence. He, Mr. Robert Welch, accused President Dwight Eisenhower of being a communist and a communist front man. Accused him of being uh, uh, <laughs> this communist operative and suggested, much like you hear uh, some of the right wing uh, uh, ringers today talking about communists uh, within the Democratic Party and Congress, like Alan West suggested, seventy eighty uh, percent was uh, uh, well seventy or eighty was a uh, communist. This guy back in nineteen fifty eight, uh, Robert Wells suggested that seventy to eighty percent of the Democratic Congress back then in 1958 were communists. And they all need to be uh, 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 hung. This is what uh, Robert Welch, this multimillionaire, founded the John Birch Society, this disciple of uh, 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 McCarthy, the uh, communist uh, hater. <laughs> and he, that was his main goal. That was the goal of the John Birch Society to to be the guardian of our democracy and free it of, rid it of all other outside uh, influences such as communists. And that was his main goal. He hated uh, communists. I'm not sure if he was a racist or not. Uh, I suspect he wasn't crazy about colored folks. <laughs> I suspect that uh, you know there was some few black folks in John Birch Society back then. But the John Birch Society operated as a small uh, uh, groups. They formed these. First of all, he put them together with nothing but millionaires. His first, uh, I'm going to tell you, he got some of his millionaire buddies together, and they formed that thing. And as far as I can tell, this guy, 
uh, was one of the key uh, uh, proponents of changing the 5014C from exclusively social world, uh, welfare work to primarily uh, welfare work because that John Birch Society was heavily involved in politics, was heavily involved in politics back then. 1959, now remember John Birch Society was only a year old, and somehow, and I'm trying to tie it together, I'm trying to tie it together. I haven't really nailed it down yet between, uh, although I know uh, Robert Welch has a heck of a lot of influence within the government, and I'm almost sure I'm I'm trying to uh, run it down just to uh, try to uh, see who was acting commissioner of the uh, Internal Revenue Service back in 1958 and uh, who, uh, in their uh, association with uh, John Birch and uh, who appointed them to that office, whether it was Republican, Democrats, whatever, and uh, see if I can get a connection. I'm almost sure the pressure brought on by uh, John Birch Society uh, and its members, members of powerful, powerful people uh, uh, involved in that thing, and I, I'm almost sure, 90% sure that they uh, were the main re- uh, drivers of the Internal Revenue Service changing changing the wording of that 5014C from uh, exclusive to uh, primary. And I'm I'm almost there. I'm almost there with that that's hypothesis. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, trying to develop here, y'all. I, I, I say, I, I, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that uh, – Robert Welch uh, and the John Birch Society was instrumental in the Internal Revenue Service changing the definition of uh, what a 5014C uh, was originally intended to be. Uh, uh, and it uh, uh, has led us to where we are today because uh, uh, the Koch brothers and all those super PACs are direct uh, offshoots of, of the John Birch Society. As far as I can see, that they are direct descendants of uh, the John Birches, y'all. There's no difference in those people. That they are direct descendants of uh, the John Birch Society. A lot of the Tea Partiers and lot, those groups. Hey, the IRS have a duty. The Internal Revenue Service has a duty to uh, uh, look at those people and to make sure. Uh, first of all, the Internal Revenue Service, the Congress had better uh, get on their freaking job and go back and put the wording back uh, in that uh, uh, 5014C uh, like it was uh, intended to be uh, when it came out in 1954. Uh, and they uh, uh, that would eliminate a lot of uh, 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 shenanigans, y'all. That would eliminate and do away with half of those so-called uh, 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 tax-free uh, 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 Status of uh, 501 super PACs. Those people need to be out of politics. Uh, they need to be out of politics, out of that des- uh, designation. They need to be out of that, uh, uh, out of politics under 5014C. They have no place there. There's other designations out there where uh, they're above water and everybody can see who's doing what. Uh, I think it's 527. I'm not sure of the designation, but those people are uh, not nonprofit. Those people are. Political operatives, those super PACs and the Tea Party, those people are political operatives. Those are not uh, uh, tax exempt uh, 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 organizations, y'all. They shouldn't be. 
the Internal Revenue Service has a uh, responsibility uh, to look at them. I'd be mad as all hell if they wasn't uh, looking at all of them, uh, uh, every, every one of them. And that's what they were doing. They weren't just targeting out tea parties and patriots and all that junk. They, they had some almost 100,000 applications crop up after uh, 2010. Uh, they were merely uh, 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 compartmentalizing uh, uh, the groups out so that they could uh, uh, get to them in a more efficient way. Uh, they should be looking at everyone that comes through there. Uh, all the super PACs, they should go back and uh, read them of that uh, uh, designation there, y'all. That's a simple thing to do. We got to keep the heat on, y'all. We got to keep the heat on uh, the politicians here to make sure that the IRS go back and change uh, the wording and the definition of uh, just what a 5014C is and put it back to its original wording, which states that it has to be exclusively uh, about uh, a social welfare. That, uh, in order for it to be non uh, tax uh, non taxable, that's what it's got to be. That's the first thing that the IRS got to do before they do anything. Before they start blaming the doing this and that, they have got to go back and change that law there because right now this thing that got bogged down uh, with somebody talking about uh, concern. Hey, first of all. Whether you conservative or uh, a liberal has nothing to do with uh, whether or not you're five hundred one four C. Has nothing to do with it. Not I'm sick of hearing people like uh, John Bain and all talking about uh, looking at conservative. That's bullshit. You're an American uh, organization uh, trying to uh, 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 take some backhanded uh, way into town. There, as I say some kind of back road in the town to uh, govern the country uh, uh, outside of uh, the elected officials, up there, outside of uh, this elected black president, this uh, uh, legally elected black president you're trying to uh, uh, govern around. <laughs> you're trying to govern around uh, the people's elected uh, officials. That's what these uh, tea parties are trying to do. They couldn't win at the election box, but they want to govern the country uh, from the closet. They want to run a basement government, much like uh, our North. They want to run the country from a freaking basement. <laughs> hey, it's crazy, y'all. And yeah, uh, the John Birch Society, the super, uh, the granddaddy of uh, uh, all the uh, uh, these so-called. Uh, 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 super PACs. Yeah, it was the John Birch Society and Robert Wells. Uh, go back and check him out, y'all. Go back and check uh, Robert Welch out. He came up and did this uh, did this essay on republics and democracies that he uh, uh, put out in 1961. Y'all go back and check it out. Republics and Democracies by Robert Welch. Uh, uh, he go back and trace the history of republics Republican uh, form of government, and if you look at the democracies, it got a real good take on uh, their beginnings and uh, uh, do a, a fairly decent job in uh, uh, defining just what a republic uh, is and what a democracy is. And uh, but y'all, y'all go back and uh, go out there and Google Robert Welch. And uh, for your own edification, y'all, 
because I think if you Google him and kind of read uh, up on uh, the John Birch Society, you have a better idea of uh, what we're dealing with here today when when you look at these tea parties. These folks are uh, uh, not doing any social welfare, y'all. They ain't about social welfare. These folks are about uh, 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 governing uh, uh, without being uh, elected officials, y'all. They're trying to govern the country without being elected elected to any office. That's what they're up to. They're trying to overthrow the elected government. That's their uh, uh, objective. That's what the NRA is uh, uh 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 is doing in our ain't about uh uh second amendment protection they're not about that that's that's junk we we all see that they're not about second amendment protection they're about overthrowing the government they are about overthrowing this government that's what they're about they're not ready that's what they've uh, uh merged into M- merged into a political organization thinking uh, uh, with the intent uh, of overthrowing uh, the elected government that we have. Hey, that's just a fact, yeah. It's just a fact. These people are dangerous. Uh, and the uh, Internal Revenue Service, uh, I'm, I, 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 we should be thanking them. We should be thanking that group up there in Cincinnati. <laughs> For uh, 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 taking a look at uh, uh, the 5014Cs uh, in a much uh, closer way, because all that stuff is crazy. What they, uh, uh, none of those folks are doing any social welfare, y'all. None of them. None of those Tea Party uh, scoundrels <laughs> and Super PAC scoundrels uh, are doing any uh, social welfare. They're all political operatives trying to undermine. Uh, this administration, our gov- our elected uh, government, they're trying to undermine it because they couldn't win at the box. They didn't win at the box yet. They are hell bent on uh, undermining uh, our elected uh, uh, government here. We can't have that. We got to spe- uh, uh, speak out about it. That's what we do out here on the Hushville Black Forum, yeah. That's what we do. Uh, in our advocacy uh, on behalf of uh, Americans of Afghanistan, advocating for social justice. That's what we do out here. And that's what we're going to continue to do as long as we're out here. I call it like we see it. I mean, yeah, and anybody, well, anybody can't see it, but I can. <laughs> it's pretty clear to me that uh, the Internal Revenue Service was within its right to uh, take a look at these people. Half of them night, they're raising billions of dollars here, y'all. They're literally raising billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, to uh, try to uh, circumvent uh, the governing of uh, the country by a legally uh, elected uh, government. Yeah, that's what they're doing. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, especially when that much money is involved. As we can see, government just stopped. The political PACs has bought off the Republican Party to the extent that John Boehner can't govern. He can't even govern his own caucus up there in Congress. Y'all. He's supposed to be the Speaker of the House. He can't even he can't even govern. He can't bring nothing to the floor. He can't do nothing because of a handful of uh, 
a handful of uh, extremists that has uh, cornered uh, that Republican Party. Yeah. yeah. Who are being financed by uh, these super PACs, these so-called 5014Cs. Uh, That's where they're getting their money from. And that money is having an effect on how uh, Congress, the do-nothing Congress, you want to know why the con- uh, Congress is doing nothing? It's because of these 5014Cs is paying them to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> these super PACs the Koch brothers uh, uh, and the like is paying these so called politicians we got up there and watched them to do nothing to obstruct every uh, uh, step of the way anything that this president try to do whether it's good or bad they don't want them to ha- they don't want to do nothing to their own detriment now oh it's gonna huh, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna tear that Republican Party up, y'all. They don't know. <laughs> well, I think they're starting to know. That's why they try to uh, get this immigration thing uh, done, so that they think they can get a few more Hispanic people to vote for them. But mm-mm, that ain't gonna work. You can't just, uh, you ain't gonna be able to just uh, wash over it, y'all. Uh-uh, not when racism uh, has uh, come to the forefront. Not when the racism that is involved in this whole thing uh, surfaced to the top like it has done. That's going to put a damper on anything you try to do uh, uh, short of uh, getting rid of it. Short of uh, getting rid of uh, uh, that uh, stench that has uh, uh, taken over uh, 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 the Republican Party. Get rid of the racist that has uh, taken over that party. Uh, uh, nothing short of that is going to uh, keep them in power. It can't keep them in power, yeah. It, 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 you know, it can't. They, it can't go forward like they are because uh, the marriage within that uh, group is too diverse. You got the uh, the Republican Party today is made up at least three different uh, uh, groups. Uh, the Dixocrats, the old Dixocrats of the South, uh, the uh, Ronald Reagan uh, <laughs> uh, Democrats, uh, and the uh, original uh, Northern Republicans. So you got those three groups all merged into uh, this uh, modern-day uh, so-called uh, Republican Party. Uh, now, they're... Uh, they they falling apart. Yeah, they falling apart because that marriage was illegitimate from the uh, from Jump Street. <laughs> the marriage of those three groups was illegitimate, <laughs> and they are uh, uh, going through this messy divorce now. They're going through this messy divorce now. Y'all here in 2013 because they they just not uh, compatible. They can't exist together. Uh, not the old Dixocrats. The old Dixocrats, remember, those folks were racist, yeah? That old antebellum uh, um, Heronbach uh, democracy that they ran here in the South, that group that group now is running <laughs> is running that Republican Party. They can't, you know, uh, and uh, the Northern Republicans, uh, they are having a problem with that. They can't get a, a word in edgewise. People like Chris Christie, uh <laughs> Is shut out, shut out of his own party. He's the most popular 
uh, Republican in the in the nation, and he can't get a word in edgewise because of the old Heron Vock uh, 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 Dixiecrats that uh, is controlling the Republican Party, uh, uh, akin to that uh, tail wagging uh, the dog. Is what it amounts to. So they are uh, slowly imploding, but uh, within that uh, messy divorce, uh, it's having a, a negative effect on the country because uh, <clears throat> it prevents uh, it prevents the Republican Party as a whole from uh, governing. It prevents them from governing uh, uh, the country. Or being a partner uh, with the president uh, uh, in governing uh, this country, they can't do it. Their their uh, ideologies uh, are uh, incompatible within the Republican Party, so they they uh, uh, only way out. That uh, the Republican Party as we know it today or knew it uh, uh, is on its way out. Yeah, it's on its way out because you got you got two. Uh, Diverse of uh, uh, you got people like Michelle Bachman and uh, Chris Christie and Rubio and uh, Ted Cruz and uh, you got people like that all married together <laughs> and uh, those people can't uh, coexist, y'all. Those people cannot coexist. The Northern Republicans like Chris Christie cannot exist with people like uh, uh, Ted Cruz. No way. They can't exist in the same organization, y'all. It's an incompatibility problem there. That's the problem with the uh, 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 Republican Party. That's the problem with the country. Uh, because they uh, uh, hell-bent on uh, denigrating uh, this president, although this president has been elected for the second term. That's not too much they can do to, to him directly other than uh, blemish uh, his legacy, which is what they want to do. They don't want to. Uh, and uh, it's just crazy. Uh, uh, while doing this, they're uh, tearing the country apart, tearing the country apart. And they don't care. As long as uh, they think uh, that has hurt this president, they don't care what they do to the country. The country is secondary to their own uh, ideology. The good of the country is secondary. So, hey, y'all, we're going to take a, wow, we've been rattling on here, y'all. We're going to take a quick break here, y'all. You got me in the Hushmo here on the Hushmo Black Forum, where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And out of necessity, we'll do it louder. But we don't like to do that. We like to keep everything on the even keel out here. But uh, these days, uh, these are trying times, y'all. We so we 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 might have to raise the the volume out here a little bit. But uh, we got a call in number here too, y'all. One eight 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 five eight eight three eight one four. A call in number to the Hushboat Black Forum. If y'all want to chime in on the conversation this evening, give us a call. We'll be more than happy to take one or two calls. We don't take many out here, but we will. We're going to take a quick break right now, though, y'all. We're going to take a quick break for the pause. We'll be right back at the 
after the hour here, y'all. It's about 8 o'clock in the ATL. We'll be right back. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Thank you. Thank you very much. My audience, they always uh cheering us on out here. Uh, one of the things about here real quickly uh, before we uh, get off the subject of uh, the 5014Cs and uh, one Mr. Robert Welch in the uh, John Birch Society. Robert Welch, uh, like I said, was a multimillionaire ahead of the candy company back in the 50s. When he first uh, formed the John Birch Society, they uh, uh, was about, like I said, eradicating uh, the government, this country, of uh, communist, uh, communist uh, influence. That that was a crazy uh, time back there. Because remember, the 50s, we were in the middle of the Cold War with Russia. And there was no bigger uh, enemy uh, in the country than uh, the communists. In a lot, in a lot of uh, segments of the country, that is, from McCarthy to uh, people like uh, Robert Welch and the like, uh, who had this uh, obsession uh, with the uh, with the uh, the evils of uh, communism as they uh, viewed it. One of the things he did, though, he laid out. <clears throat> In this uh, essay about republics and democracies, he laid out with, I, I must admit, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there y'all somebody dial in and uh kind of messed us up there for a minute but we're back <clears throat> welcome back to the hushmo black forum here y'all <clears throat> may 18th 2013 y'all here in the atls coming to you live and living color from the atl yeah we originate in atlanta georgia y'all so our home base <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> we were saying about uh Mr. Robert Welch and his uh, defining uh, the origin of republics and uh, democracies. And and believe it or not, he does a real good job of uh, chronicling uh, the timeline of uh, republics and uh, democracies as it pertains to a Western uh, civilization, if you will. Uh, Even he'd take the Republican uh, form of government back to uh, ancient Greece, some sixth, uh, the sixth century BC, in Athens, Greece, uh, to Solon, uh, uh, quite a noted thinker of the day. Solon uh, was charged with putting together a, uh, for the first time, a written, uh, a document with uh, uh, uh well, he introduced into the visible record of man's efforts and progress the very principle of government by written and permanent law instead of government by uh, some uh, mob rule, interchangeable decrees as, uh, as stated here. But, yeah, Salam was charged back then with uh, 
write, writing up a set of laws that would be written down into this, uh, written down on this document, this uh, uh, government by written and permanent law, a government uh, 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 as uh, defined uh, in the Salon's day was a precursor of uh, the republic that we have here today. The constitution that we have here today in this country is uh, um, an offshoot of uh, the republic that uh, Salon started some uh, 594 B.C. Yes, where it came from, the republics. Uh, uh, It was an offshoot of that where uh, the laws of the country is written down on a uh in a document like like the constitution that is you know yeah that's a that that's our government that's a republican form of government our constitution is is a uh a republican form of government that's where we get the republic from and that's and that's why uh the united states is a republic because uh the uh, its laws is written down um, it's written down and uh, it's permanently written there in that constitution for all to adhere to, supposedly equal. But we all know that at the beginning of this country, when they first re- uh, wrote the constitution, all of the citizens uh, didn't have access to it. <laughs> all of the citizens of this country in 1787, when that Constitution was first introduced, all of the citizens here in this country did not have access to that Constitution, to the laws that was written uh, down there in that Constitution. Only land uh, owners originally had access to the Constitution. Only White male landowners had access to our Constitution. Now, right away, that presented a problem. That presented a problem because you cannot have a true republic. (laughs) You cannot have a true republic that is a document set up uh, in such a way, like our Constitution, uh, uh, that is the foundation that sets up the laws to govern a country with, but yet and still all the citizens, all the people in the society don't have uh, access to. That thing is not a republic. That that's a sham, as we found out. That is not a true republic. It's not a true democracy. So right away, we we had a problem at the formation of uh, uh, the country. We proclaimed uh, 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 this thing to be a republic, but it wasn't a republic because uh, nor was it a democracy. It was neither one. It was a bastard uh, of uh, the two. It was a bastard uh, of the two. It was neither a republic 
nor uh, uh, democracy. And it was neither of those two things for the same reason. All the citizens didn't have access to either one, whether it be the laws uh, written down in the Constitution or access to uh, the democracy in civil society. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, do y'all, y'all follow me, what I'm saying here? The Constitution didn't allow for uh, participation of uh, of all the citizens. That was a problem, y'all. That was the problem. And it evolved into uh, such a problem that it caused, <laughs> it brought about uh, uh, the Civil War for one. <laughs> for that exact same reason, you could tie all this stuff into uh, the reason some 600,000 Americans had to die because of uh, they didn't all have access to uh, this one document, this one, this Constitution. Uh, all the sisters didn't have access to it. If they, everybody had to had equal access to uh, the Constitution from its uh, inception, first of all, slavery wouldn't be there. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to do away with slavery, y'all. They didn't even put the word slavery in the Constitution. They just ignored it, uh, allowing for uh, the document to become a racist uh, document because they allowed for the enslavement of humans. Yeah, they're allowed the South to keep and sell humans to designate them as property. That not only presented a uh, a legal problem, but also a moral problem. <laughs> a moral problem. And, and uh, the end result of that was that civil war, y'all. Yeah, ain't no doubt. Hey, the end result of that moral problem was uh, the uh, was that civil war. The man upstairs got involved, yeah. Hey, I'm just uh, that's what history says. That's what history points out, yeah. Hey, I'll take my word for it. Just read. I'll take my word for it. Just go back and look at history. Look at see what Lincoln says about it in his second inaugural address. And see who was driving that thing back then, whether it was him, Robert E. Lee, or Jefferson Davis, or the man upstairs. According to Lincoln, uh, somebody of a higher power was driving that Civil War, <laughs> uh, and it was way above his pay grade. <laughs> this is the President of the uh, United States, y'all, uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, in his second inaugural address stated that uh, somebody uh, higher up than him was driving this thing. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, and it was. Uh, And it was. So so from from the very uh, inception of this republic, this this republic, uh, a constitution that we put together, uh, this social democracy that we put together, um, came up short. And they both came up short 
for the same reason, both denied equal access to all the people. You can't do that. You, you, you can't. There's no way. There's no way. Uh, there's no way you can do it. If all the people, and if y'all y'all so called Christians, y'all so y'all so called Christians who uh, trying to find every reason that within your religion to uh, enslave people, <laughs> to find a difference in uh, uh, in people, uh, if they would only. If they would only just follow their own Christian dogma, they would see that uh, it plainly states that uh, the man upstairs created everybody out of one blood. There's somewhere in there that the man upstairs created from one blood all people of the earth out of one blood. That lets me know <laughs> that uh, there's no difference in no man. They all created equal out of the same blood. And that's what the Bible says. For you all who are Christians. That's what that go go look at it. Hey, go go look at that uh I'm not a preacher. I don't like to quote the Bible out here. I'm ne- I'm neither a preacher, teacher, nor a prophet. Uh but if you look at the uh, Act chapter seventeen, verse twenty four, read that uh through to uh verse twenty seven and see if not uh it says that uh, God created everybody out of one blood. Everybody on the face of the earth. Now, if you're a Christian, or, or you all who claim to be, should have known that way back there when they were trying to sell and own humans as if they were animals. trying to sell, well, in fact, they did. They sold, bought, and testified humans as property. They did that. They did it for 200, some 300 years here in this country, yeah, until that, that thing got so big that uh, uh, <laughs> even after they converted uh, a lot of my people to Christians here in this country, people started praying to God Almighty up there, their God. Ain't one God. I start praying to God for their salvation there. Some five million uh, slaves here. And uh the man upstairs heard their uh heard their cry. Hey, he heard their cry and uh intervened on their behalf. That's what history says. Show. Um he intervened on their behalf and brought that uh slave system down here in this country. Remember, for y'all who uh, saw that movie, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln was having nightmares at the end of his, uh, 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 at the end of that Civil War. Uh, he was having nightmares trying to figure out just why it was. Now, remember, at the, at, 
that movie, Lincoln, by Steven Spielberg, that thing takes uh, it uh, commences in January January of eighteen sixty five. That movie does. It only cover like the last three months of Abraham Lincoln's life. But by January 1865, over a half a million Americans had died. By January of 1865, over 500,000 Americans had died in that Civil War, and that war was still going on. And nobody, including the President of the United States, knew why. That war was still going on. They done killed all these people. He done emancipated the he done emancipated the slave. Gave an order. And that that war is still going on. People are still dying. And he couldn't figure out why. They couldn't figure out why how it was they couldn't bring this thing to an end. <laughs> uh, he was having nightmares about it, y'all. And it, all of a sudden it hit him. Slavery itself. Slavery, the institution of slavery itself was the culprit. The very institution of slavery itself was the uh, culprit. That institution had to be eradicated in this uh governing document that uh, the founders of the country had put forth and ignored. The issue of slavery in that founding document in the Constitution had to be uh, clarified, if you will, and done away with. That institution that was allowed to exist here in this country had to be eliminated before that war, that civil war, would come to an end. And it says in the movie that Lincoln went to his wife, and she told him that it was the 13th Amendment. I suggest that uh, he had one of these, uh, much like Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all know something about Nebuchadnezzar there in the Bible? King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, much like Lincoln, he couldn't decipher uh, what the dream was about. (laughs) Much like Abraham Lincoln, uh, Nebuchadnezzar went uh, uh, to a a soothsayer, who in the Bible, by the way, was uh, Daniel. (laughs) Daniel was a prophet, y'all. I'm a descendant of Daniel. My uh, great-great-grandfather was Daniel. But (laughs) Lincoln was having a problem with this dream that he couldn't, uh, he's waking up with cold sweats, y'all. Right in the middle of the, the end of the Civil War, people are dying all around him. He couldn't figure out how to bring it to an end. And this dream, somebody uh, uh, figured out this dream for it. The movie give credit to uh, his wife, Mary, for uh, solving that dream problem. I suggest it was more like his butler, his black butler, Daniel, uh, 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 deciphered it for him. I like to uh, think it was that, and told him that uh, that dream was about uh, uh, getting that Thirteenth Amendment uh, put in, uh, passed through Congress, and 
installed in that constitution outlawing slavery. That's what the dream was about. That's what the man, that's what the war was about. That's what the war was about, yeah? That war was about outlawing that institution of slavery. Buying, selling, and classifying humans as property. 600,000 people died for that reason. Once Lincoln, once the revelation came, once that thing had been deciphered for him, and uh, 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 he was made aware that uh, that was uh, uh, what needed to happen uh, for that war to uh, come to an end, the killing to stop. Uh, sure enough, he got that thing passed through Congress, y'all. With some arm twisting now. Yeah, I saw the, mo- saw the movie. With some arm twisting, he got that 13th Amendment passed. That war came to an end, y'all, two months later. That war was over. That, that war came to an end. When they uh, got the 13th Amendment uh, 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 passed through Congress and inserted into uh, the new law of the land, that war came to an end. The killing stopped. The man upstairs took his foot off of uh, off of uh, 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 the leaders of the country. He, he, he uh, uh, brought that thing to an end, y'all. Uh, when uh, they uh, got rid of the institution of slavery, yeah, the Thirteenth Amendment. That's what Lincoln was having a nightmare about. He couldn't figure out what was going on with the man upstairs. Was trying to tell him, "You got to get rid of that, son." I, you know, we we I, this thing ain't gonna stop. <laughs> hey, blood will continue to be shed until that Thirteenth Amendment is part of this governing document that you uh, uh, suggested that I, <laughs> the man upstairs, had a part in uh, establishing. Until you get that thing. Uh, that institution of slavery uh, out of uh, this document, out of this uh, 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 governing uh, document that is the Constitution here in this country, uh, that civil war was going to go on. And sure enough, when they got that passed, that war came to an end. Another month, that war, April 15th, that war was over. Or, or no, before then, actually. Lincoln got killed on April 15th. That cost him his life. Hey, it cost him his life, but uh, just like uh, Moses was not allowed to see the other side of Jordan, uh, Abraham Lincoln was not allowed to see the other side of that uh, transformation there uh, into a uh, society without free of slaves here. He wasn't allowed to see it, but he was was the uh, vessel that... uh, God used to uh, eradicate the uh, country of it. He did his job, uh, but he uh, never saw the uh, fruits of uh, his labor. Not here on earth. I mean, obviously, uh, he was rewarded. Uh, He was rewarded uh, in the eyes of uh, the man upstairs. I have no doubt in my mind, but just like Moses, <laughs> he led us to the uh, uh, the banks of the Jordan, 
but never uh, saw the other side of it. And it was our history in the country uh, parallels a lot of the uh, allegories that we find in the in the Bible. Just a uh, hey y'all. Yeah, we uh. What do you got here? Try to find out what's going on here, y'all, with the uh, baseball game. We all over the place here. Hey, it's about uh, 8.30 in the uh, ATL, y'all. We're going to take a quick break here. we really just been rambling on here tonight by, by about uh, the State of the Union. <laughs> it's not a, it's a State of the Union address out here tonight, y'all. We're going to take another quick pause here. We're going to come back in uh, the last 30 minutes or so. We're going to take a look at uh, one Mr. Marcus Garvey, one of our disciples that we uh, talk about uh, in our new work, uh, our new undertaking, the rise and fall of uh, Jim Crow. We're going to take a look at him after the... uh, after the break, y'all. We'll be right back. Y'all hang in there. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmore Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
that ushered in a whole era of uh, 14th Amendment uh, violations uh, in the black community. It devastated our community. That law, now it already was devastated here in the South, but that made it uh, uh, the separate equal stuff legal throughout the country, which allowed unions and everything else to discriminate against uh, uh, people of a certain race, which allowed the workplace to be segregated. Come on, boy. Come that that boy, I need to sit down. Hey y'all, I'm looking at the baseball game. Hey, uh that separate equal law that Pressy uh ushered in allowed for the discrimination of Americans in the workplace. Namely, Americans of African descent. Our fourteenth Amendment rights was shattered. Uh, uh, because of the separate equal laws. And here what we do, we look at 12 of uh, our people because from about, okay, the Plessy thing that ushered in this thing on a national level occurred, that Plessy versus Ferguson uh, case occurred in 1896 when they ruled against Plessy, allowing for the separate equal separation of uh, uh, public uh places, and uh, uh, just about everything else in uh, society was allowed to be uh, separated and discriminated uh, against uh, because of that law. Well, anyway, from 1896 uh, to 1954, we, Americans of Aquinas, uh, fought tooth and nail to overthrow that thing. That was our main goal in uh, life, the ones that... Uh, uh, our intellects of the day. That was our main, uh, that was their main charge to overthrow uh, the separate equal laws because it was screwing us uh, big time here in this uh, country. So uh, there was uh, organizations uh, dedicated to the overthrow of that thing uh, starting uh, in 1896 on. Uh, we started forming groups to overthrow that. One of the uh, primary groups that evolved uh, 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 with that goal in mind was the Niagara Movement in 1905. The Niagara Movement was made up or started by one Mr. W.E.B. Du Bois, one of our trailed disciples, and one Mr. William Monroe Trotter, along with John Hope, uh, uh, John Hope and uh, other uh, prominent uh, black figures of the day started that Niagara movement uh, with the uh, sole purpose of uh, advocating on behalf of Americans of African descent with their main goal uh, uh, being the overthrow of uh, the separate equal laws, the Jim Crow laws uh, 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 that Plessy had uh, uh, brought to bear on us. Uh, So from 1905, uh, uh, the Niagara Movement was formed uh, that evolved into the NAACP in 1910. The NAACP in 1910 owned, uh, made it their primary goal. They sole uh, object, objective was to 
rid the country of uh, Plessy, the separate equal laws. Yeah, that was a whole main. That was a whole goal from 1910 to 1954. They dedicated every ounce of their being to that to the overthrow of that. Well, 1926 come along, Charles Hamilton Houston. Charles Hamilton Houston uh, took over as dean of Howard Law School. Of Howard Law School. Within, we took took over uh, as the president of Howard uh, Howard University. That is a part of uh, 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 the university. Of course, was the, the law school that uh, in 1930 included uh, included uh, uh, okay go back Mordecai Johnson Mordecai Johnson took over uh, uh, Mordecai Johnson uh took over uh, Howard University. Charles Hampton took over the law school there. Uh, under his uh, tutelage uh, came uh, Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill under Charles Hamilton Houston there, uh, the dean of the law school uh, of Howard. This is 1933, I believe. Thurgood Marshall and uh, Charles Hamilton Houston both graduated number one and two in that law class of 1933 out of Howard. From that point on, Charles Hamilton Houston, the dean of the Howard Law School, they left. He left and went to the NAACP, taking along with him Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill. Charles Hamilton Houston, uh, the dean of uh, Howard Law School, left, went to the NAACP, formed this uh, uh, legal defense a segment of the uh, uh, NAACP, charged with uh, overthrowing uh, the separate equal law. That was a whole charge from uh, the minute he took over uh, at the NAACP was to overthrow. In fact, that class of 1933 at Howard University, which included Thurgood Marshall and Oliver Hill, was charged with devising a plan, the whole law school, the whole law class, the whole class was charged with a was charged with devising a scheme to overthrow Plessy. That was the class project for that uh, uh, law school for that law t- for that school year. That was the class that was the class assignment for the graduating class for that whole whole year. They were to come up with a plan to overthrow. Uh, Plessy. That was a whole charge. Thurgood Marshall, Oliver Hill, the two top students in that class, <laughs> uh, bought into that. Uh, the idea of overthrowing uh, uh, Plessy, they saw uh, a problem with it. They got to the NAACP sometime shortly after that, 18, uh, after uh, 18, uh, well, 1933 when the class graduated. They all went wound up at the NAACP and formulated this plan to go after 
uh, the separate equal laws. They settle on a plan to attack first the colleges of higher education, the the uh, 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 postgraduate schools, the law schools and the uh, medical schools, the uh, postgraduate uh, degree schools, uh, law and uh, medical schools. They uh, came up with a scheme to first attack those institutions there where uh, a state can readily just throw up a separate law school and claim it to be equal. There was more to it than that. They they knew that, that they couldn't do that. So they start suing the various law schools throughout the country that was uh, segregated back then. And uh, over a, from uh, 1933 all the way up to 1950, they sued and won uh, cases throughout the country uh, dealing with uh, the integration of these higher uh, uh, institutions that uh, only had uh, a warrant for white people. Uh, you could not attend uh, Georgia Tech or the uh, law school of uh, the University of Georgia uh, prior to uh, 1954. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. And, and, and 19, 1933, rather, uh, that was out. They said about They said about uh, attacking uh, those uh, institutions there, and surely, but uh, uh, slowly but surely, they broke down that uh, they broke down that uh, the uh, discrimination uh, within the schools there with that monumental uh, uh, Brown versus Board of Education. That they're good, Marshall, uh, Charles Hamilton. Charles uh, Ham, uh, uh, Hamilton Houston and Oliver Hill led the, the team of lawyers that fought that thing for some uh, 20 years straight, y'all. They fought it for 20 years straight, uh, attacking uh, uh, the various uh, uh, institutions uh, uh, in the various states there for 20 years until 1954. They finally, finally uh, uh, got Plessy overthrown. Uh, but it was a dedicated effort there uh, uh, involving uh, untold uh, 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 capital, sweat and tears uh, on the part of our leaders there to get that thing overthrown, and a lot of other people here. Uh, the NAACP uh, was right behind us. Uh, as white people in the NAACP back then, and uh, a lot of other citizens in the country uh, uh, chimed in uh, in that effort to overthrow it, and uh, sure enough, uh, they got it done in 1954. Uh, uh, no doubt, our disciples, Marcus Garvey, uh, was one of those people who was uh, uh, instrumental in that, uh, the fall of it. Marcus Garvey uh, came to this country from Jamaica. He was a Jamaican-born uh, citizen. Born as a Jamaica, uh, August seventeenth, eighteen eighty-seven. That's when he was born. Uh, uh, Saint Anne's Bay, Jamaica, came in this country in nineteen fifteen. Uh, Marcus Garvey, as a young boy, was the son of a uh, a printer. His father was a printer of some sort uh, there in Jamaica. There and. Uh, 
uh, taught uh, Marcus how to uh, how to read and write. Had a pretty good education. He wasn't. A, he was uh, for uh, for blacks back then living in Jamaica. I mean, ninety nine percent of them was dirt, dirt poor. Uh, he was uh, no doubt an upper class. Uh, his family, his family was poor. His family wasn't rich. I mean, but uh, uh, compared to the rest of uh, the black folks there in Jamaica, uh, he was uh, middle class. Uh, Marcus Garvey uh, became uh, an advocate uh, for uh, the blacks there in uh, uh, Jamaica, and uh, uh, as a young person, traveled throughout uh, the Caribbean, advocating on uh, their behalf. As a youngster, uh, uh, I mean, he was one of the few that could read and write and stuff. He went throughout uh, the Caribbean there preaching uh, 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 repatriation to Africa. He wanted he wanted black folks to go back to Africa. That was his main thing. He uh, so, but uh, he was instrumental in bringing uh, uh, tying the struggles together of the Caribbean uh, slaves, the black folks who had been dropped off down there in those little islands that, that when that slave trade was going on, uh, our people, uh, he brought their uh, uh, input into uh, our struggle here in the state. Uh, he uh, determined that uh, Everybody, uh, Americans of anybody of African descent, all folks of African descent uh, who was brought to uh, this hemisphere uh, during that uh, West African slave trade was all in the same pot. He came here in 1915 uh, after uh, reading about the success of uh, Booker T. Washington in establishing uh, a Tuskegee Institute. He came in in 1915 to meet Booker T and to study uh, how it was that he uh, put together a Tuskegee with the intention of uh, taking it back to uh, Jamaica and starting uh, starting such an organization there. Says that in the early days, I guess at the age of 14, Marcus became a printer's apprentice. In 1903, he traveled to Keystone, Jamaica, and soon became involved in union activities. He got involved in union activities early on when he was a youngster. In 1907, he took a part in a successful printer's strike. And experienced, uh, um, that experience kindled in him a passion for political activism. And this is like three years later. I'm just reading his biography, y'all. Three years later after uh, uh, he traveled throughout Central America working as a newspaper editor and writing about exploitations of migrant workers in the plantations. He later traveled to London where he attended Birkbeck College and worked for the African Times and Orient Review, which advocated uh, Pan-African nationalism. Since inspired by those uh, experiences, 
He returned to Jamaica in 1912 and founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association, UNIA. He founded, this is the organization he founded. Now, this is uh, independent of uh, the NAACP, the Niagara Movement, but much on the same uh, uh, concept as those two, as those organizations. Uh, his was more of an economic uh, 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 mechanism there. This UNIA, this uh, uh, UNIA, United Negro Improvement Association, was put together with the goal of uniting all of the African diaspora. That's everybody. All Africans and uh, the Caribbean, the Africans here in this country, and uh, all over outside of uh, the continent of Africa. The entire African diaspora he was looking at. This is how heavy this guy was. uh, (laughs) This is how far uh, how far uh, thinking uh, that this guy was. He wanted to unite the entire African diaspora into one group there. Uh, Yeah. The Universal Negro Improvement Association. Notice that name. The Negro Improvement Association. Universal Negro Improvement Association with the goal of uniting all of Af- uh, of the African diaspora to establish a country and absolute government of their own. That's, that was his objective. <laughs> he wanted to establish a, a country and absolute of their own. That was a, that was a, uh, the charge of the NIA, uh, uh, the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement League. Says after corresponding with Booker T. Washington, the American educator who founded Tuskegee, Garvey traveled to the United States in 1916 to raise funds for a similar venture in Jamaica. He settled in New York there, y'all. Hey, hey, we're going to get back to Marcus Garvey uh, next week. We're running right up against the clock right here. Marcus Garvey got some more heavy. I got some more heavy stuff to tell you about Marcus. This guy was heavy, y'all. Needless to say, he scared those people to death. The white people in this country, powers that be, back in the 1920s. In fact, they trumped up, uh, trumped up uh, a charge on him, locked him up, deported him. We're gonna get into that next week. We're gonna continue with Mr. Marcus Garvey next week, y'all. Hey, we're right up against it, y'all. It's been my pleasure being out here. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. There, the 25th of uh, May, our last weekend. We'll be out of town. We're gonna do that show on the road, y'all. But we will be back with you next Saturday. We're going to continue with uh, one Mr. Marcus Garvey. Until then, y'all, ciao. We out of here. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.